this is they added things to Star Wars that Star Wars didn't have that ultimately would make Star Wars better, and that's more training montages. I mean, that's obviously why Empire Strikes Back <laughs> is the best one. You know, the training montage. That's why everybody loves Empire. So what did Turkish Star Wars do? You've got him f***ing punching mountains. That's It's the shit. Radio Drone. Welcome to another horrifying, horrifying in a good way, Thursday night. I am Josh Hadley, and you're listening to Radio Drone. With me back, because he actually put a laptop battery in this week, is Peter. That's right. Joining us, because thankfully his son is okay, is Cecil. Yes, thankfully. Things are, things are all on the mend now. Well, if you want something to be on the mend with, you go to adamandeve.com. It's the only transition I could see, sorry. That's fine. Use the promo code (laughs) DROME, and you will get 50% off of a single item, three free DVDs, a free clit bumper, and free U.S. shipping. Just use the promo code DROME at adamandeve.com. Now that said, we're going to talk about the worst movies of all time, or as Wikipedia lists it, the worst films of all time. We don't necessarily agree with this list, nor will we, but as we go through this list, we're going to go chronologically chronologically from the 1930s to today. We're not going to talk about every film. There's way too many. So we're going to talk about the key films, but I'll try and mention the other films. When you see a list that usually consists of the worst movies of all time, do you really agree with that in general, or do you just kind of go, man, you people don't know bad movies? I think I gotta say you people don't know bad movies because usually on those lists there aren't the movies that I would consider to be horrible. I mean, you you never see movies like Garden of the Dead that's uh, literally an hour and a half of a bunch of guys in straight makeup wandering around uh, spooking people and then just kind of getting shot at the end on somebody's front lawn with no real resolution, with nothing really happening, with the only interesting part of the movie being it's a chain gang that huffs formaldehyde and becomes zombies, and they take that concept and do nothing out of it. That, to me, is a bad movie because it's boring as all shit. And that's never on any of the, the lists that I see. Usually a lot of these lists will feature cult or B to Z grade movies that are, you know, of the lower budget, have sort of no-name actors. Like a movie, like I'm sure we'll talk about it uh, over the show, but a movie like Zat, which is a, a dumb little fish creature feature movie that I'll admit it's it's not well made, sure, but it's insanely entertaining by its incompetence. I mean, there's there's so much that you can make fun of this film. Like you can count, you can literally count the times that the the man in suit uh, stumbles on camera, and they decided to keep it in the film, which just shows you how low budget it is. They had such little money for the film that they had to use every shot of the guy in suit, whether he stumbled or not. I mean, that's 
that in itself is a lot of fun. And I, I can't consider that to be one of the best movies of all time if it made me laugh as many times as it did, even if it was unintentional. The majority of them, they either go and will tackle, uh, you know, some B through Z grade movie or they go after the low hanging fruits, the easy films to say that are the worst movies of all time. Something like Pixels, which is not a good movie, but it is far from like the worst movie of all time. So they just kind of will take these really easy targets. And a lot of times I feel like sometimes they don't even like actually see the movies that they're, you know, labeling the worst movies of all time or else there would be other things that are on there. Well, let's start in the 1930s. Reefer Madness, the famous propaganda film that basically says if you get high, you're going to commit suicide, commit murder, rape. You'll just be a complete maniac because you take one puff off of a marijuana cigarette. That's how they say it in the movie at one point, marijuana. <laughs> I don't know. Reefer Madness, can it really be a bad movie if it's entertaining as f***? I think that it's that one's kind of a tough one because it, technically, yeah, it is a really bad movie, and uh, I don't really know many other movies from the 30s, so I can't say you know what would be worse. It, it it's just it's hilarious because when you're looking at it now, you know, in retrospect, it's like you know people did kind of think that back then. Oh my God, I'm gonna smoke a I'm gonna smoke pot, and then I'm gonna you know go out and go on this murderous rampage, and then it's like the other um, movie where um, it was a short. Where the girl, um, she smoked, she smoked pot and then, uh, she saw a hot dog and the hot dog was talking to her and she, <laughs> she ate the hot dog and it screamed. And so she like went nuts because like she, she wouldn't eat food anymore. <laughs> so it's like stuff like that where it's like, it's so absurd and ridiculous. You, you have to kind of laugh at it. So. I mean, on a, on a technical perspective, I mean, it's, it's at least somewhat well made, especially for something from like 1936. That one's kind of a tough sell. You know, it's, yeah, it's bad, but it's like funny bad. It's just an after school special. Like you can't really consider that to be like the worst movie of all time when it's just kind of, it's propaganda made to, to get people not to do uh, what were considered to be hard drugs at the time. And it is, it's insanely entertaining. And a lot of these after school specials are, they're, they're fucking ridiculous. There's one, um, forget the actual name of it, but they're like one of Ben Affleck's earliest roles was an after Roid school rage. special. Yeah, the Roid Rage, uh, <laughs> after school special. And he's going like nuts and like humping the carpet and he like beats the shit out of his girlfriend. He's wearing like four layers of clothing to make it look like he's all huge and stuff. Like it's so funny. These are some of the best forms of, of unintentional humor. And for that reason, I can't consider them to be on, on a list that's a worst of anything because they're fucking hilarious you have these like right-wing lunatics that really believe that this is what's going to happen if you if you take this or inject that if you if you, you inject a marijuana this is what's going to happen and there's there's so funny like reefer madness to me is it's on the same level as something like the ben affleck roid rage thing or, or really any any of those because that's all it is it's an after school special you can see what what it was meant to be at the time this was the mindset of uh ultra conservatives that thought this would really happen if the youths of, of today or that period would take that and what would happen. If you fucking can't put that, you can't put Reefer Madness on a list of like the worst movies ever because it's technically not even really a movie. Like it's, it's sort of an ad that's telling you like a moral play. Don't take weed or else uh, don't inject this. Um, it, it doesn't count as an actual 
film. But it's uh, ridiculously entertaining. So even if it does count to some people as a film, it doesn't belong there because, again, the unintentional hilarity, hilarity factor is just so – it's so high and so fun that it doesn't belong on a worst of list at all. Then we move to the 1940s. And I haven't seen either of these, so No Orchids for Miss Blandish and The Babe Ruth Story, both from 1948. I can't speak to either of those, so I'll pass. Either of you guys seen those? Nope. I guess I've parts of The Babe Ruth Story, but not enough to really have anything to say about it. I haven't seen that many movies from the 40s, really. Well, then let's move on to the 1950s. Here's where we're getting into the good shit. Here we've got... We've got so many classics that, like you guys said, are they bad movies? Yes, but they're also cult movies. Here we've got Glen or Glenda, Robot Monster, Fire Maidens from Outer Space, Plan 9 from Outer Space. Those are all cult classic movies. I don't know if, I mean, like I said, they're all bad movies. I don't know if I'd put them on the worst films of all time list. I love all of them. None of them belong on this list. That's like, that's all I have to, that's, that's the only real statement I can make is that they're movies that I enjoy maybe on uh maybe on a so bad they're good level but again a movie only fails to me if it's boring and and none of those movies are really boring they're all, all greatly entertaining especially uh Robot Monster and uh, and Plan 9 and and Glenn or Glenda is just fucking weird but in in a really Pull the string way. pull the string <laughs> uh, you, you beat me to it <laughs> pull the string <laughs> Well, since you went with pull the string, I'll go, you see, you see, your stupid minds, stupid, stupid. <laughs> yes, because all of you of Earth are idiots. Uh, Glenn or Glenda is is hilarious. Uh, Robot Monster, I've actually only ever seen it uh, on Mystery Science Theater. Uh, Fire Maidens um, was... I don't think Fire Maidens was on. I don't think I've seen Fire Maidens. And then uh, Plan 9 from Outer Space. I watched that movie just legit. Like, it's it's bad, but, like, it is... Uh, it's got a good atmosphere to it. It's entertainingly bad. I mean, you've got uh, you got Vampira. You've got Bell Lugosi. Uh, For a little bit. Well, granted, you've got, you know, Bell Lugosi on his deathbed. But um, it's yeah. it's just... I don't know. There's something about Plan 9. It's earnest. You know, it's like Ed Wood was really trying here. I mean, that's more than I could say for some directors today. You know, I really feel like they phoned it in. Like, it might be a bad movie, but here was a guy who was a bad director who really wanted to be good. You know, and he made this, like, this movie that was just beyond him, and it just ends up being really entertaining, but for a lot of the wrong reasons. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, I, I never would say that, that plan. I mean, I can understand why some people would consider Plan 9 bad, but I, I don't think it's bad at all. Well, see, when it comes to, like, Plan 9, that was solidified in pop culture in the 1980 book, The Golden Turkey Awards. I don't know, that, that's been considered the, the worst movie of all time for so long. I think that's just almost instinct at this point for people to go to it, people who've never even seen it. Mm -hmm. Unlike the other 1950s film we have to talk about, The Conqueror. Howard Hughes funding The Conqueror starring John Wayne as Genghis Khan. And John Wayne doesn't act at all. He's John Wayne as Genghis Khan. <laughs> He's got the horrible fake mustache, the brown face. He plays John Wayne in this. This movie is actually so bad, it literally killed John Wayne. And I mean that, literally killed him. 
because Howard Hughes decided to shoot the whole movie in St. George, Utah, downwind from a nuclear testing range in Nevada. John Wayne got his fatal cancer, making The Conqueror. So not only did he die for this movie, he died for one of the worst films of all time. And honestly, it's a bad movie. It really is. It's it's one that I only know anecdotally because it was John Wayne as Genghis Khan, but I've never actually seen it. I've seen clips of it. Like Cecil, like kind of only know it by rep, like uh, reputation. I've seen uh, clips on YouTube just to kind of pique my curiosity for how bad the uh, brown face and the acting and the the fake mustache are. And uh, it kind of makes me want to see the movie. I will conquer you, pilgrim. <laughs> Um, but I, yeah, I kind of gotta, I gotta agree with the list on that one. Like it, it does look like it's a, just a genuine pile of crap. Well, then we move to the 1960s where we've got, uh, again, cult movies, some of the earlier cult movies. We've got The Beast of Yucca Flats, Ega, The Creeping Terror, Horror, Horror at Party Beach, Santa Claus Conquers the Martians, Monster Agogo, Manos, The Hands of Fate. Come on. These, these are the low hanging fruit. Are they bad? Yes. I mean, Creeping Terror might actually be one of the most incompetent movies I've ever seen in my life. Doesn't stop it from being entertaining. And who the f*** can't like Santa Claus Conquers the Martians? Yeah, most of these are are a lot of fun. The only one I might agree with is Manos. I know it's low-hanging fruit, and I know the movie was, like, made on a bet, I think. Like, if, if they could actually shoot the movie on a camera that runs for, what was it, like five minutes? Or no, not even. It was, like, 20 to to 50 seconds at a time or something. So I guess they they tried to make a movie that way. It doesn't necessarily mean it's like, it really is one of the most boring movies I've ever seen in my life. Uh, I, I honestly have tried to watch it without the, you know, the Mystery Science Theater commentary and I couldn't get halfway through it. That's the only one I'll, I'll agree with, but Ega is a lot of fun. Uh, Santa Claus Car- Conquers the Martians is just, I love that movie. I've got a poster of it. Uh, that's it's, it's such a ridiculous film. Yeah, other than Manos, I don't agree with any of the other choices. Um, the only reason that <laughs> these ones are all on there is because they're Mystery Science Theater episodes. And people, I guess like non-hardcore movie fans, they don't seem to realize that like a lot of the movies that Mystery Science Theater picks, and even they'll say they're not the worst movies ever. They pick them because there's something earnest about them. There's something enjoyable about them that you can watch most of them like even without the commentary, you know, the commentary works because the movies, you know, have something to work off of. The truly bad movies are the ones that like are just irredeemable that you can't even goof on, you know, that you're just watching. You're like, oh, God, nothing is happening. Uh, something like Ega, there's just, I mean, you know, Richard Keel playing a caveman and just, uh, it, it's, it's just funny. And then, you know, uh, Santa Claus Conquers <laughs> the Martians ridiculous i've seen that movie uh, like every christmas i'll watch it almost and uh so it's just a an entertaining uh good movie and um manos the hands of fate i can understand it was uh it was a bet uh the guy was an insure um a uh fertilizer salesman. fertilizer thank you fertilizer salesman and he just bought this piece of crap camera and like there's something about it that works but that's something, like Peter said, I can understand people not liking that one because it is it is tough to watch even without the mis- you know, even with the mystery science theater to go with it. Even they like they're like, oh, so man, yeah, there's the, the famous uh, 
There's the famous uh, scene where they just there's just a scene where literally nothing is going on. There's just that moment of silence, and you just hear I forget uh, which one shouts it, but you just hear one of them go, "Do something!" <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, that one has brought us so much joy with with uh, you know Torgo and the do 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 you know music. And, <laughs> so I mean, it, it, my it, name it, I am. I am Torgo. I am in charge while the master is away. I think the guy who played Torgo ended up killing himself because the costume with like the blocky knees, like actually genuinely messed his legs up or something. And he committed suicide shortly after the film. Yes. Um, he never yeah. made it to the premiere. Oh my God. So yeah, I mean, it's such a tragedy uh, <laughs> that goes along with this awful movie. But uh yeah, I, I, don't have any problem with any of those again they're they're the low-hanging fruits they're the easy pickings you know i'm sure there are tons of movies from the 60s that are far worse but these were the ones that uh you know oh they're on mystery science theaters so they're the the worst movies ever made Eh, you're missing the point of the show well then let's (laughs) move on to the 1970s we usher in 1970 with what i think is a one of the most fascinating disasters of a film ever Myra Breckenridge. You and I, the three of us talked about this before the show, and neither of you had seen it. Myra Breckenridge is a glorious disaster. Raquel Welch and Rex Reed, who are the same character, plot twist. Mae West came out of retirement to do this film. John Huston looks thoroughly embarrassed every moment he's on screen. And writer Gore Vidal disowned the movie completely in every way. The film is basically Rex Reed gets a sex change, although there's some plot twisty stuff later on which I won't get into. Rex Reed gets a sex change, becomes Raquel Welch, moves to Hollywood, and then starts to forcibly destroy everything that Hollywood stands for in the area of manliness to the point of sodomizing a man while old clips from classic Hollywood films play on the screen and she's screaming glory to America. Myra Breckenridge is a fantastic disaster. You guys have to see this. (laughs) But then in the 70s, we also have stuff like Zabriskie Point or Peter brought up earlier, Zat or An American Hippie in Israel, Bat Pussy. All right, Bat Pussy does deserve to be on this list. The most unerotic porn ever made is Bat Pussy. That one deserves to be here. Well, I mean, I, I talked about Zat before, and that one really is a lot of fun for anyone that hasn't seen it. Um, and for the drinkers listening, because I know uh, I've probably coined a drinking game at this point. Uh, or no, somebody on Twitter did. Every time I say sleazy, and every time uh, I think it's Josh disagrees with something Cecil said and the other way around. So if you're into that, whoever, I guess whoever made that post, I forget who it is, but I'm sure he's listening. Check out Zat. That's a great drinking game. Every time they go up, the, go up and down the same staircase, every time they got, the man in suit trips and falls over, there's a lot of uh, potential to completely blast your fucking river, uh, liver into nothingness. So definitely check that one out. Uh, the other ones though, yeah, like Bat Pussy is weird. Um, I don't know if, I don't know if it belongs on the list. It's just kind of a dumb exploitation movie. I have not seen Zabriskie Point. I've not seen American Hippie in Israel. I've not seen Bat Pussy. Didn't MST do that as well? I don't uh, remember. I'm not. Sh- I'm not oh, sure. Yeah, they did. I, it says yeah. they did because I never saw. I never saw the episode on it. I just recently uh, discovered that on uh, Exploitation TV and watched like a very nice crisp. Uh, recently, they did a remaster of that oh, of, of all movies. Um, I have seen it. Yeah, but I saw it as Blood Waters of Doctor Z. 
Ah, okay. It's about like the the catfish monster man, basically that goes yeah, around okay. trying to create a, a partner, and it's just it's so incompetent and weird. And there's like just scenes of irreverence where like the the dude that's trying to stop the monster is in this little like dune buggy and he's driving it, and then it it pans the camera over to a river and he drives into it, and that's the end of the buggy. He's never in it. Like he just drives into the f-ing river for no reason, and then he's not in it again. There are just scenes in that movie that make no sense whatsoever. Um, it, it had to be a, a drug film. I, I'm pretty sure the man in suit was either dying of heat stroke or completely drunk out of his mind. There's just something to the film that makes it really entertaining. Like, it's one of those so poorly handled that you can't stop watching kind of movies. Well, you know what, you know what movie is not even fun to watch? 1975's At Long Last Love where Peter Bogdanovich decided, let's make an old 30s-style musical starring Burt Reynolds and Sybil Shepard, who can't <laughs> sing. Oh. But, yeah, At Long Last Love is hard to sit through. It really is. Exorcist Two: The Heretic. Yes, that deserves to be on this list. I seriously hate that movie and love it at the same time. It is the most gorgeous one of the most gorgeously shot films I have ever seen in my entire life. The cast is magnificent. The direction is fantastic. The film is one of the most unwatchable pieces of shit ever made, with all of that said. That's quite an accomplishment. I love Exorcist 2. It's a completely insane, batshit film with a lot of really cool, uh, visually creative decisions. Um, I, I don't think that, I mean, I can see why it's considered bad, but I consider it to be a really interesting take on a follow-up to the original film, which is very, very slow with a lot of build-up and then the payoff at the end, which is still, to me, one of the most horrific, frightening uh, pieces of uh, a film ever. And then the second one is just this insane, just really fast, really crazy, always going on, lots of color. It's... um. It's something I, I like a sequel to do sometimes, to do something completely different. And I've always uh, respected Exorcist 2 for not only that, but also just the general look and the vibe of it I've always really enjoyed. I definitely don't agree with that being on the list. Same. I don't agree with it being on the list. Uh, I haven't seen it in a while, so I'm, I'm a little rusty on it. But uh, I remember it being, uh, you know, a departure from the original, but still good in a unique way. Now, the next film on this list I don't think deserves to be there, 1978's The Swarm by Irwin Allen. I think The Swarm, about a swarm of killer bees rampaging across the country, genetically altered killer bees, I will add. It was the 70s. I think the movie is tremendous. It's ridiculous. It's stupid. It's got a fantastic cast. It has the balls to kill an entire school of children, something you didn't see very often. And Michael Caine has gone on record, even after Jaws 4 was made, saying that The Swarm is the only movie he ever regrets making. I don't know if that says you should see it or you shouldn't, but I loved The Swarm. Yeah, The Swarm, how can that be? Like, it's not even remotely bad. I mean, come on. Um, I'm trying to recall if I've even seen it. I I don't think I have, actually. Henry Fonda with a flamethrower getting killed by optical optically added bees. <laughs> I, I may have seen it on, like, a late-night TV movie, but it's one that I'll need to rediscover, but it sounds like a lot of fun. Well, the next one, no way should it be on this list. I spit on your grave? No f***ing way. I don't even think we need to discuss this one. It's a landmark exploitation film. 
But I mean, that's the thing. It's like, look, I can understand people not liking it, it being maybe too extreme, maybe it being, you know, uh, pushing the boundaries of good taste. So Roger Ebert called it a vile bag of garbage without a shred of artistic distinction. Yeah, exactly. You know, stupid Ebert, completely missing the fact that it is art. It's horrible. And I mean, and it pushes a lot of boundaries, but it was, you know, it was meant to. I mean, that was the whole point of it. It was, it was meant to be a very brutal, rough, completely, uh, you know, pushing the boundaries of everything, uh, exploitation film. And, uh, and it's, you know, gone on to be, you know, be recognized for the, uh, I don't want to maybe not say revolutionary, but for how important it was in cinema. I will say that I'm, like, I agree with Cecil that it's a total landmark of uh, exploitation cinema, and it deserves its place in it. I don't agree with it being uh, on the on a worst films list either. Like, it is it is a well-made movie. Uh, I'm not a fan of it personally, because I feel like with revenge movies, you need to have the revenge segment be longer than what's happening to the protagonist. I don't, I don't think 40 whole minutes of rape was really necessary, especially considering when you look at a movie like Death Wish that has... Uh, it's rape scene about five minutes, and, it, and it, that to me is honestly even more graphic than what happens in I Spit on Your Grave. And it only needed five minutes, and the rest of the movie is Paul Kersey going through his just complete mental downfall and going after goons. Even a movie like Savage Streets, when Linnea Quigley's character gets raped in the, the boys' bathroom in the high school, and then you got, you know... Um, you got the crossbow revenge stuff, which is great with, with Linda Blair. So I'm not the biggest fan of I Spit on Your Grave, but I respect its place in cinema, and I don't agree that it's it's a, on a worst film category. It's just not one of my favorites. Well, then the next one, I don't like this film personally, but on a worst list, never. 1979's Caligula. It's not a good movie, but it's not a worst movie. Or I'll I'll say what, quote Roger Ebert, Sickening, utterly worthless, shameful trash, unquote. I love Caligula. I, I think Caligula, if not for Caligula, you wouldn't have shows like uh, Spartacus, Blood and Sand, which might as well be called Blood and Semen. You wouldn't have uh, Game, of, Game of Thrones, which you might as well call Game of Sodomy. Although that's not quite as catchy as Blood and Semen. I don't know. I, I love it. Uh, and I love it more than, than, than the shows I've mentioned because it's in the span of one film. There's no time for it to really desensitize you completely and be monotonous in the same thing over and over again. It's really bright and colorful. Malcolm McDowell is just this. It's if you perceive Caligula as like an Alex DeLarge fever dream or something, it's perfect. I actually don't think Malcolm McDowell was acting in that. No, I think they just put him in costume and they just filmed him with whatever <laughs> he did. Yeah. Like, it can either be perceived as that, or you can pretend that it's, like, his character from Clockwork Orange, like, having a dream. He'd be, like, listening to Ludwig Van and picturing stuff like that. And I'm pretty sure there's even a part in Clockwork Orange where he's picturing himself as, like, either a dictator or, like, a gladiatorial ruler or something like that. So it's kind of fun to pretend that way. It's really over the top, and I know that there's, like sleazy factors of it where you know the the production halfway was was bought out i think by uh, who is it guccione of penthouse they had to complete the by by letting him complete the movie they had to inject scenes of uh hardcore porn they put in that big orgy scene but overall i just think it's such a ridiculous movie with such a fantastic soundtrack and just so much weirdly over the top violent sexual stuff 
it's almost hard not to love it, especially for Malcolm McDowell's performance, because his character is just so filled with glee while he's doing everything and just so sadistic and weird. And, and just even before he dies at the end, he does this little like sound to like the the armed guard that's about to kill him like he makes a fucking raspberry before he gets his head chopped off and thrown down the stairs or something it's a ridiculous film it's really cool looking and and again the soundtrack is just just amazing i don't know i i don't see at all how that epic piece of celluloid can be on any worse films list caligula is a movie that, uh, you know, people aren't looking at it in the larger perspective of things. It's like they're only seeing, you know, its faults and they're seeing the, the sex that was injected in there. They're not seeing, like, the production value. The fact that, like, you know, at the time, they weren't doing these giant, uh, you know, Rome movies and stuff. They and Caligula had the largest standing set of any movie ever when it was made. Yeah, I mean, they weren't doing that kind of thing back then. And so it was a very grand-scale film. Uh, it's got a great cast, uh, and it's it's just, this should be nowhere near a freaking bad list. Well, then we move on to the 1980s, where we have Heaven's Gate. Now, this one I'm 50-50 <laughs> on. The theatrical cut of Heaven's Gate deserves to be on this list. The theatrical cut, what was released to theaters is a f***ing train wreck and one of the worst films ever made. That said, the director's cut is a fantastic movie. It's still overblown and pretentious, but it's a great movie. So for Heaven's Gate, I say the cut matters. It goes to show, I mean, the director, you know, Chimino, was 100% behind this. He's like, this is the movie that I want to make. This is what it should be. And the studio panicked and cut it down, and it became notoriously known as one of the worst movies ever, when really it wasn't. It was the studio that completely screwed it over, and thankfully it finally did get its comeuppance, and the full cut was released, and it's being you know recognized as the you know excellent film that it should have been and would have been if they would have released it all the way back then. But unfortunately, it ended up, you know, it was a piece of, it was recognized as a piece of garbage. It ruined Shimino's career. And it's frustrating when the director delivered what he was going to. Well, no, no, no yet, I'll argue with that. He only went $24 million over budget to deliver that. But still, you know what? But the studio still, like, gave him the money to to, to do that. You know, and honestly, 24 million, I mean, uh, in, in 1980, though, that was a lot. That was a lot, but I'm saying comparatively now, when you look at something like, uh, Oz the Great and Powerful, that was 300 million, you know, it's, uh, it's absurd that, uh, you know, that, uh, was an issue. But still, if they would have released that version, it wouldn't have gotten all the crap that it got back then, and it would have, because even now, there are a lot of people that don't know that a lot of people had never watched it that are just like, uh, oh, it's, you know, Heaven's Gate's one of the worst movies ever. Well, and then you start talking about, well, have you seen the, uh, you know, the restored director's cut? And they're, no, I never even saw the movie. But like I said, the theatrical cut is a piece of shit. And the one thing I'll never forgive this movie for is the animal cruelty. We've discussed before, like Cannibal Holocaust and that. Chimino was blowing up real horses with explosives for realism in the movie. That, to me, is unacceptable. Well, yeah, that is a, that is a piece of shit thing to do. Never seen it. Okay. Cecil, calm down. The apple is on this list. The apple is I fucking awesome. 
I think it deserves to be on this list because I hated this film. Now, Catherine Mary Stewart is probably the cutest she's ever been in her career in this. It's still a horribly bad movie. Apple deserves to be here. Let Peter talk first because I know you want to defend this. So, Peter? I love the Apple. I don't know how you can agree with that being on the list. It's it's just so much fun. Like, there's not really much to say about it. It's just, I don't know, it's, it's just one of those movies where you watch it and you, you feel pretty good about stuff because it's, it's like, really entertaining. Minaham Golan, actually, when it first flopped, tried to kill himself. He was so behind the movie. He tried to jump off the <laughs> roof of the building because of all the negative reviews it got. Dude, it's a movie. Relax. Well, no, I mean, the thing was... This was his, I mean, this was his dream project. He was so behind this movie. And, I mean, you know, he was just that passionate about it. And then at the premiere, they gave everybody uh, copies of the soundtrack, and they started throwing the soundtrack at the at the movie screen as the movie was going on. And, I mean, you know, did he kind of take it a little bit too to heart? Yeah, but could you imagine that, you know, here's your dream project. You worked really hard to make this happen. Not only are people booing at it, but they're, like, throwing shit at the screen. Uh, eh, you know, he kind of took it a little uh dramatically. But the Apple is just so much fun. It's colorful. It's got good songs. It's got good, um like, dan- I don't even really particularly like a lot of, uh like, musicals. Because most musicals are just, I uh, just suck. But this one, it's so silly and it's fun and it doesn't, it seems like it doesn't take itself that seriously. Like there's uh when they had the um the the BIM exercise hour where you know everybody uh had to stop whatever they were doing and it was mandatory you had to work out to BIM music and you got like firefighters that are putting out a fire and they had to stop and the building's burning behind them as they're doing like disco jazzercise. I mean that's hilarious. Catherine Mary Stewart, like you said, she is just uh, so amazingly cute in this and uh, did such a good job. I didn't know for years that um, she actually was lip syncing. They uh, they didn't think that she could sing, so they brought in somebody else to, to do all their lines for her. It's just, it was so good. It was so fun. It's ridiculous. It had this deus ex machina, you know, at the end. Um, I just, I love the apple. It's It's so much fun. Well, now, these next three films I'm going to be bringing up former host of this show, Brad Jones, in. And it's because he's he's talked about these, and I don't think I can sum it up better than him. We've got Inchon, or as as Brad put it, nobody's seen Inchon. And that's true. <laughs> Inchon is one of the most boring war movies ever made. We've got Tarzan the Ape Man, the Miles O'Keefe movie. How the, much Keefe is in this movie? Miles O'Keefe. <laughs> Tarzan the Ape Man is a horrible movie. It's sort of this weird, let's say, let's give the Tarzan legend from the perspective of Jane. So you've got a Tarzan movie that barely has any Tarzan in it, and Miles O'Keefe at his most obviously drunk during the entire production. And then we've got 1981's Mommy Dearest, which, again, as Brad Jones put it, the people who put this on a worst films list have never seen the fucking movie. All they see is the wire hanger scene, and they don't realize... That scene makes sense in the context of the film. Tarzan and Inchon deserve to be here. Mommy Dearest does not. That Mommy Dearest does in no way deserve to be on that list at all. I mean, yeah, the, the wire hanger scene is hilarious, but yeah, there, there's a context to it. Tarzan the Ape Man is, it's bad, but it's an all right Tarzan movie. Like for a Tarzan movie, it's a 
it better than the one that just came out, even though I haven't seen that one. I, I can uh, venture a guess that uh, Miles O'Keefe is a lot better. What was the other one? There was a third one? Inchon. I haven't seen it. Nobody's seen Inchon. <laughs> well, I, I, for Tarzan the Ape Man, I'm going to quote Leonard Malton. It's considered so bad it nearly forced the editors of this book to revise a rating lower than bomb, unquote. Uh, I have not seen Inchon. Again, the point. Again, the point. Uh, Tarzan the Ape Man, I watched it because there was that time when, uh, Bo Derek was, was like, oh my god, everybody has to look at Bo Derek because she's naked. She's and naked in the movie, yeah. She, you know, well, and, and it's, I just remember it being like, I remember it being like good looking, like, but I remember it just being really boring and dumb and, uh, yeah, it's just, it wasn't a particularly good movie. And then, yeah, same thing with Mommy Dearest. The people that say, the people that put it on this list obviously have never even watched the movie because the acting in it is amazing and mm. it, it's just, it's mind boggling that, uh, that people would consider this bad. This is in no way, shape or form bad. Well, and then you've got Turkish Star Wars. I don't think that deserves to be on this list because I don't think the Turkish movies should be held to the same level as real movies, really. Turkish Star Wars is awesome. The hell's, you know, and it, it's, yeah, it's it, it, like with you. I don't think it should be held to the same degree because they're making it obviously as a knockoff. They're not trying to, you know, achieve some higher and level. And they don't have any resources. Oh, they have no resources whatsoever. But it's hilarious. It's so funny and just goofy. I mean, it's, it, this is another one where, uh, it's people that heard this or, you know, saw a bootleg print of it or something. Oh, this has to be on a oh, Turkish Star Wars worst movie ever. You know, no, not not at all. Fantastic. They're idiots. This is, they added things to Star Wars that Star Wars didn't have that ultimately would make Star Wars better, and that's more training montages. I mean, that's obviously why Empire Strikes Back <laughs> is the best one. You know, the training montage. That's why everybody loves Empire. So what did Turkish Star Wars do? You've got him f***ing punching mountains. That's It's the shit. Well, now we're going to go to the one where Cecil will be the most wrong. Howard the Duck. Deserves to be on this list as no. a longtime fan of as a longtime fan wrong, of Steve Gerber's wrong. Howard the Duck. This movie is an abomination. It's not You're good on its own level. It's a horrible <laughs> Howard the Duck movie. F- Howard the Duck. F- a duck. You're so wrong. Howard the Duck. Okay. <laughs> Howard the Duck is now. Granted, it is very different from the comics that it's based on. However, the comedy works. The animatronics work. I mean, Howard, I think, still looks fantastic today. If uh, if he was CG, uh, he would just, I mean... He's a guy at, in a suit! But it looks good! Are you yeah. talking... Like, he's still... It looks like a big duck! Very well done. Uh, I think that it's funny. I think that it's very dark. I mean, it really kind of goes in some directions. I, you've got uh, Leah Thompson, who looks terrific. Who uh, She went a little crazy with her hair crimper in this. She did go a little crazy with the hair crimper, but it was 1986. You know, what What do you want? A lot of, a lot of girls went crazy with the hair crimper. You know, they, uh, yeah, t- uh, Tim Robbins was in this playing the freaking goofy, uh, dude. And, it, oh my god, dude, I just, I really love this movie. It's, I can't see how anybody could say it's boring or like that it doesn't work. It's so filled with just, I mean, there's constantly stuff going on. It's so absurd. I, I just, I, I don't understand people that don't like this. You're so wrong, Josh. Like seriously, it's such a, 
I, I liked Howard the Duck before I even knew it was a Marvel property because I, I was too too young to really know that he was a comic book character when I saw that. I think I was probably eight or nine years old first time I saw it, and I was really entertained by it. Um, I loved the the way Howard looked in it. Uh, I actually wasn't sure the first time I saw it whether it was animation or, or animatronic or a guy in suit, and I think that's a testament to how good it looked. You couldn't really tell how the effect was done, and to me – that's a testament to good movie magic. Overall, it's really entertaining. It's really funny. I think it's clever. It's um, it's an it's, it's R rated, isn't it? No, it like PG thirteen. No. no, it was it was like it's PG. It was PG. like hard. Well, it was you know it was nineteen eighty six PG, which was pretty close to being R. <laughs> it was one of the uh, one of because a lot of people talk about uh, and there's so many other examples to be made. Obviously, with movies that actually are R rated that were comic book films far before Deadpool ever came out. But Howard the Duck is another example of like an actual raunchy kind of comic book film that came out before everybody was like, oh, Deadpool finally coming out with Irish. Shut up. Howard the Duck did the raunchy comic book stuff first and a lot of other movies did it first. And Howard the Duck was, and to me, still is one of the, one of the better ones. I think standalone 80s movie. I've always really enjoyed Howard the Duck. No, 1987 was not a good year for film, apparently. We haven't done this as a years yet, so we'll get to the good stuff on, on another episode. But we had Ishtar, Superman 4, Garbage Pail Kids, and Leonard Part 6 all coming out that same year. Yeah, yeah, I'll say it. All four of those deserve to be on this list. Those are four bad movies. Peter already went into defending Superman 4 a little bit. I don't agree with him, but I know he won't agree with this. But Garbage Pail, Leonard, and Ishtar are all borderline unwatchable. I don't think I've even seen the Garbage Pail Kids movie, so I can't even really state an opinion on that. I think I've just seen clips from it. Never seen Ishtar either, so all I can really do is just uh, defend Superman 4. I mean, I I really don't have the energy to do the same impassioned uh, rant that I did before, uh, but that's the only one that I agree shouldn't be on the list. That movie's just, it's, it's too fun to be on a worst of list can't remember if I've seen Ishtar or not, so I, I think I haven't. I think that's a testament. The movie's boring. Yeah, well, it's, <laughs> it's something that it's like, it's it's one of those movies that is so referenced that I'm at the point now where I'm like, I don't know if I've actually ever seen it, but uh, that, so I won't say anything about that. Uh, Superman 4, I think, is just, uh, is hilarious. It's like, it's corny but it's the right kind of corny and it, uh, it's it is a canon superman movie i mean what more could i ask for i like the garbage fail kids movie i'm actually going to be doing an episode on it at some point this year <laughs> and leonard part six i like man uh, i have the i have the press kit for leonard part six i think it is a terrible but a terribly entertaining film because it's so absurd and Bill Cosby, regardless of, uh, you know, the horrendous things that he did, I'm just looking at this from the context of within the movie, he makes it work. He sells how ridiculous it is. I mean, he's fending off. I, I, I disagree with you on this. He's the one who went on all the talk shows and told people to not see this movie. Right. But, um, but in, but in the movie itself, he's works. Like he, he, maybe afterwards when the movie came out and he saw it, he went, Oh God. And then went and told everybody not to see it. But within the movie, he's selling it. He's work. I mean, he's fighting off flesh eating lobsters with melted butter. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. He's fighting, or he's, he's on an ostrich jumping off the side of a building. It is 
absurd. And, uh, I, like, I think that, uh, I would probably have an easier time defending it and, uh, if, uh, Cosby wasn't a rapist. I, I love pu- putting yeah. my dick where it don't belong. There you go. Peter got it. <laughs> yeah. Well, th- well, then we've got a film does not deserve to be on this list because I think this one, this is sort of the hipster of bad movies by people adding it to this list. 1988's Hobgoblins by Rick Sloan. Nobody had even heard of Hobgoblins before Mystery Science Theater. You know what? We should do a whole episode on all the movies MST3K did, how much they're getting brought up tonight. Hobgoblins, is it a bad movie? Yes. Is it an entertaining movie? Absolutely it is. Hobgoblins does not deserve to be on this list, and it's only on this list because it was on Mystery Science Theater. Otherwise, people wouldn't even know this movie. Ah, good concept, but I find it kind of slow. Like, without the Mystery Science Theater commentary, I find it kind of annoying and stupid in a bad way. I'm with you. I think uh, Hobgoblins is uh, is funny with and without the uh, the Mystery Science Theater commentary. I mean, I prefer it with, but uh, I think it is watchable without. It's so ridiculous. And again, you know, people, the majority of people would have never even heard of it if not for Mystery Science Theater and probably have not seen it beyond Mystery Science Theater or, again, just referenced and a uh, piece of crap. So, yeah, Hobgoblins is, is silly and fun. By the way... I am working on getting Rick Sloan for an interview for this show. That'll be fun. Ooh. Hmm. Well, then we go to, there are two more films here for the 80s. I have not seen 1989's Things, the Canadian independent horror film. Peter, have you seen that one? You're Canadian. You've seen everything Canada's put out, right? Yeah, except for Things. So many people telling me that I need to see Things. <laughs> that sounds weird. That I need to see the movie. <laughs> that I need to see. I'll show things. you Things, baby. <laughs> I have it. Uh, I have not watched it, but I should. And then the final one for the 80s, when it'll be the final one for this episode, Mac and Me absolutely deserves to be on this list. Even if this is, even if this, this movie was not a 90 minute commercial for every product you could think of, this is product placement, the movie, it's a horrifyingly bad E.T. ripoff. Seriously, I'd rather see E.T. get butt in one of those pornos than watch Mac and Me. And that was horrifying to see. Mac and Me deserves to be on this list. It's a horrible, horrible movie. At the very least, Mac and Me brought Paul... Every time Paul Rudd goes on The Tonight Show... That was... You're you're going to say... That was the reference I was going to make. Every time he goes on The Tonight Show <laughs> and has to show a clip of a movie, he shows the same clip from Mac and Me. And the studios, they hate it because he's going on this major uh, – and I give him major credit – for having the balls to continue to do this because he's going on promoting these aren't little fly by night movies. He goes on promoting like Ant Man, you know, at Marvel Disney, you know, hundred million dollar movie, and he's showing a clip from Mac and Me. <laughs> so major it's always, kudos. Uh, it's always, always the same, same clip for the kid one. falling in the wheelchair. And he falls down the hill. So major kudos. I already love Paul Rudd. I think he's he's fantastic. But that just elevates him to a whole other level uh, just to keep showing that same clip over and over again. Um, I don't know. Mac and Me, it is a ripoff. It is a shameless ripoff. It is constantly uh, dropping product placement. But there is they have an entire something. They have an entire musical number in a McDonald's about how awesome McDonald's is. Yeah. But how do you not love that? I mean, there's even in the credits and Ronald McDonald as himself. 
But you know what though? Oh, I will I will give that more credit for just being so blatant versus something like the Inspector Gadget movie, which on which yeah. should should be on this list, where uh at the end of the movie, uh DL Hughley is like, I don't know about you all, but I'm going to Disney World and I'm like, ah, oh, the whole uh. movie. You want to talk about product placement. Oh, they had the um the gadget mobile and you push a button and Skittles comes out and uh that was just a pile of crap. That is a piece of shit movie. <laughs> but I mean in Mac and Me, the aliens are literally saved by Coca-Cola. Right. And it's wonderful because it's so blatant. Yeah, I think Coca-Cola would save me. You don't know, <laughs> right. maybe aliens could be saved by Coca-Cola. <laughs> uh I mean, I love it for the same reason I love stuff like Turkish uh, Turkish Star Wars. It's just such a blatant knockoff of another movie, and it's doing it in such a ridiculous way. I mean, yes, sure, it's product placement, the movie, but the way, at least the way they use the product placement is kind of creative, like having a dance number in a McDonald's and having the the alien basically live off Coca-Cola. And, you know, I could relate to that because I live off Coca-Cola. No, you live off Coca-Cola mixed with rum. Uh, yeah, well, that's true. <laughs> I can't, I can't have one without the other. That, like, my rum and coke is always like, this is my rum. There are many like it, but this one is mine. Without me, my rum is useless. Without the coke, I am useless. Alright, we're gonna pick this up again next week, because we've got so many movies from 1990 and up to talk about. This is half the list, part two next week. In the meantime, where Cecil is one of the worst co-hosts ever made. I am where can, not. <laughs> where can we find him? According to Wikipedia, you are. What? Wikipedia Where can we wrong. find you? You can find me at escapismagazine.com as well as goodbadflix.com and on Facebook and YouTube. And, or Facebook and YouTube. Facebook and Twitter and Twitch as well. Yay. I'm expanding. That should have been the Adam and Eve promo then. So, Peter, where can people find you? On the list, but not deserving to be so. Oh, well, thank you. Um, you can find me at, and I really wish I could just interject the clip from Mac and me, but I guess we're on, uh, on radio. <laughs> now I want to go watch Mac and me. Yeah, um, you can find me watching uh, Mac and Me with Cecil over on Twitter at uh, Cinematica and on Facebook, The Cinemasochist, on YouTube, The Cinemasochist, and on 1201beyond.com. And you can find me at 1201beyond.com. Contact the show at 1201beyond at gmail.com. We'll be back next week with part two, and we'll see if half of this list didn't deserve to be there. We'll see how the 90s and 2000s pair up. Keep one foot in the gutter, one fist in the gold.
Radiodrome is a 1201 Beyond production. Find it and other great content at 1201beyond.com.